Hey everyone, and welcome to DarkCast Interviews. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. DCI is usually a long-form interview podcast where we talk to game creators about who they are and their work behind the scenes, as well as obviously their recent or upcoming video games. Recently, I had the opportunity to have some hands-on time with Watch Dogs Legion, the upcoming game from Ubisoft as part of their Ubisoft Forward thing that they're doing in lieu of E3 2020. And as part of that, I was able to sit down and chat with Sean Crooks, who's the lead producer on the game. A quick side note, I did receive clarification after the interview that the maximum amount of recruits you can have at one time is 40, not 20. Accompanying this podcast on YouTube is gameplay from the time that I had with the game, so I hope you enjoy that. If you want to find out more information about the game, including our multi-part podcast discussion or my hands-on written preview of the game, then you can find all of that stuff below on YouTube or in the show notes for this episode on darkstation.com. There you can also find the original Darkcast as well as other video game reviews, previews, and features. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at darkstation underscore com, find us on Facebook, check us out on YouTube, and email us at podcast at darkstation.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. Now on with the show. Thank you so much for for sitting down with me and chatting about Watchdogs Legion. Um, first of all, can you just say kind of who you are and, and what you do um, for the game? No problem, my pleasure. My name is Sean Crooks. Uh, I'm the lead producer here in Ubisoft Toronto, uh, working on Watchdogs Legion. Fantastic. Um, so Toronto, that's the that's the studio that brought us what Splinter Cell Blacklist, right? I think exactly. Yes. Fantastic. Did you work on that game? I didn't. My, my uh, last game, I was uh, associate producer on Watch Dogs 2 in Montreal as my previous project. You, you were about to be my favorite person, but stolen away by Watch Dogs. Okay, so I, I've got a bunch of questions. We, we don't have a lot of time, but we're, we're going to try to get as many of these things answered as we can. First of all, does DeadSec stand for anything? Actually, no. It, it stems from the from the origins of the of the Watch Dogs franchise, where basically DeadSec was kind of a small hacking resistance movement uh, back in Watch Dogs One. And um, I don't know if you follow the series much, but it's kind of been like a, a progression of a, an idea. So in Watch Dogs One, these were um, in small, isolated individuals that that felt like they would fight back against injustice. Um, in Watch Dogs Two, they became more of a small collective, a small group of people that fought back against big corporations. And then in Watch Dogs Legion, we wanted to take that, you know, that idea and make it the next level. So what if that is now no longer a small group, but it's an entire city or a population that feels like they need to right the wrongs. And, and we wanted to talk about um, what it means to group together as, as peoples and, 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 and fight back against things like oppression, et cetera. Awesome. Why London then? Uh, with, with all of that, with kind of going in that direction with the game, what, what made London stand out as the, the setting? You have to remember this game's been in development for a very long time. And, and London, you know, back before uh, the world went crazy, uh, London right. was still one of the most surveilled um, areas on the planet. I mean, 
Um, if you look at areas such as even uh, Canary Wharf, right, the privately owned area, it's a, if you ever visit there, it's a very creepy um, place to visit. There's cameras everywhere. You're constantly being monitored by private security. And, you know, and, and when you start looking at areas of London like that and how it feels to be there, um, you start to realize, what if the whole city of London was that bad? And then everything was private. And then we kind of built on that idea, that concept, and that's what exploded into having, you know, London, um, you know, uh, being completely oppressed by private security, um, you know, crime lords controlling uh, the vacuum that is left of an absence of government. So that's kind of what led us there. Very cool. Uh, does it feel weird making this game in 2020 with with uh, Black Lives Matter movement and with everything going on in Hong Kong? Like, does it feel like it hits too close to home? <laughs> I mean, throughout history, through many civilizations, cultures, countries, cities, um, the, the, the basic concept that people can club together and change something for the better of everyone, uh, it stands no matter the time, I think. And, and, and this is the message you know, we want to focus on. We have a near future London uh, that is being repressed by private military. And we have people uh, losing jobs to automation. You know, we have uh, choices being made uh, about nationality based off that oppression. So, you know, like um, when, when we kind of come up with this idea, this is the, the story in our London that we want to tell, but it, for sure, um, it speaks out to that basic concept that um, people, if they get together and collect their voices and make an action, they can make you know substantial change, regardless of the context. Uh, so, so going into some of the the game mechanics, and one of the things that I, I didn't notice were the the botnets or any sort of um, kind of meter on your ability to hack stuff. Is is there a returning meter, or was that gone for the the demo? Or so we we kind of said, what if um, instead of you know, looking directly at the hacker and their tools, what if just the people and the abilities and what they can do become your limiting factor, right? So this is now why um, we made large changes since last E3 to add more and more abilities on people and make them more different and have them, um, you know, carry more exclusive abilities to give you different play styles, different approaches, many options, uh, tons of replay value. Um, we decided to focus on that. So, so depending on who you have, they may have longer or shorter cooldowns, things like this. Um, but it depends on your playstyle. You know, if you if you if you like um, if you like uh, direct access to hacking with drones and you want more time with those, you could look around the world for a drone expert, which could deploy their own own drone with a unique set of abilities that you can use for that approach. But you know, what if you wanted uh, fast hacks or you want to do speedy downloads as objectives, and you can find a a black hat hacker? They have speedier download abilities in the world. You find one of those, you're going to be able to speed up all of your download hacks in a location and wait a lot shorter time than everyone else. But maybe you won't have the ability to deal with as much firepower on your exit, right? So um, the cool thing is you can choose how you want to play. I think I don't think we've ever offered this amount of variety in terms of approach based on the changes we made to the players. Anyone with a variety of abilities from taking into account people's jobs, they now matter. So now you can wear uniforms and access locations based on, on where you used to work. Um, so now, like, you know, the, the amount of abilities you can find on a person, what abilities you find on a person and the fantasy that builds uh, we think is, is a where we're stronger driving force to freedom of gameplay than we've ever had before. Uh, that that was really cool. That was actually one of my, my favorite parts. I was able to infiltrate a construction site and then a an Albion guard place. I, I don't remember what it exactly was, but I was able to get through both of those without you know resorting to violence because I, I had people from both of those groups that I, I could send in, and that was that was really cool. Perfect. And actually, uh, to, to even jump on that, like um, if you look in the world, some people come with a full uh, selection of less than lethal weapons. You know, so actually, if you wanted to complete the game less lethally, or you wanted to focus on a less less than lethal team, you can. We have we provide those options. 
like the street artists, if you find the street artist, I think they have a pinball gun and, and, mm-hmm. and paint grenades to distract people. So you can do non-lethal combat, that kind of stuff. So it, it, it supports that play style too. That's awesome. So do you, do you know how many different types of like specialties there are in the game? Is is there a, a number or at least a, a number that there's more than? Actually, the, the crazy thing um, about the way we built the players, anyone and ability set is actually it's, it's also not just the number of abilities, it's the combinations. Um, because you can go in the world and you can find, say, um, uh, using my favorite example, because I didn't even know this existed until this week and I found it by accident, uh, a manicurist, someone who, who paints people's nails. You know, they, ha- they, they have paint, so they have paint grenades because they can throw paint at people. Of course they can, that's what they do. But okay. that gives you an example of someone who's got this cool distraction ability uh, to throw paint grenades and, and stun guards and then be able to do takedowns. But then if you want to walk up that scale and use my previous example of, say, the, the um, street artist, you then they can have a you know they can have um, a gas mask and they can uh, be you know immune to gas and they can have a paintball gun. So if you start to layer layer those uh, different abilities, you start to create a range of fantasies uh, that are completely adapted to whatever playstyle you want to choose. Um, so it's it's not it's not just about the you know the number of abilities. It's it's the combinations of them and who they apply to and 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 the characters and fantasies you can build in the world. Because we kind of said well. If we could kind of simulate a world where um, everyone, what they liked, who they were, what their private lives were like, what jobs they were actually meant something, and we could build ability sets and give them weapons, you know, for, uh, you know, even if you look around the world, people like bus drivers, you can have them spawn with, with, with London buses, for example, as part of their set. Spies have their, their spy cars. So uh, even these little touches start to create an idea that, you know, everyone, when you profile them and read them, gives you uh, new and interesting surprises and encourages you not just to, you know, play only the story, but to explore the world and look for these opportunities. That's really cool. So are, are all those citizens, are they are they handcrafted by developers? Are they procedurally generated? So there, there is a limited number of, uh, as people grow more abilities, we do try and, and, and um, we call it curate a few just to make sure that we can we can create some very specific, really cool ones that we can push you from time to time to help you along in your progress. Um, so we do do that, and that's called the skilled recruit system, which you have seen, which will be those green icons. But everything else is systemically generated, and 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 even today, like I said, I find I find some stuff that I didn't even know we could do. Um, uh, it's combo, combos of abilities, uh, uh, jobs, and I and I and I I, I I I kind of browse the world and I see a I see a person, I look at their job and like. Oh, we actually do that, and I profile them, and they have like, you know, you know, crazy things assigned to them, and 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 I, I'm I'm laughing right now. I'm laughing a lot. The team did a really good job with that. I'm pretty proud of them. So, have they been procedurally generated, or are they procedurally generated like every time you play the game? Um, so, um, I'm gonna blow your mind. They're not even procedurally generated. Okay. Um, they're generated based off demographic data. It actually works backwards. Oh. So let me take uh, let me take uh, City of London. It's full of banks, right? So you're going to have a lot of people spawning as in those kind of industries and those kind of jobs. Lots of suits, lots of people working in corporations and banks. Um, so if you see a lot of people spawning uh, who work in banks, you're going to see a lot of suits. If you're going to see a lot of people working banks, you might see a lot of people who are involved with money, right? And if you see a lot of people involved with money, maybe some of them are involved in politics too, right? So you'll start to see a lot of politicians who might be able to get you out of jail faster or use their uh, politics to be able to get you out of st- your team out of sticky scenarios. Or you might find people working banking who might have, you know, money-based abilities. I, th- I think there's also a, 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 an ability about a random gambler that can randomly win and lose your money as you're playing uh, as they're part of your team. I think we have that. <laughs> 
So you, you, you can be running along and it will suddenly you'll lose like a 50 ETO and you're like, come on, Bob, I don't believe you're gambling again. You could at least win, you know, so he's playing the stock market in the background. So there's, and, and so it's not even procedural. It's, it's kind of reverse built on the demographics of London and the city. If you go to areas like Shoreditch, you'll find a bunch of body mod people, a lot of, a lot of kind of quirky, stylish more people, and they'll have a lot more crazy abilities there. For sure, you'll find a lot more street artists because it's a heavy, a heavy graffiti and art area of London. So that's where you'll go to find uh, more street artists and people like that. So it's it's not even procedural. It's literally uh, studying London, understanding what types of people, uh, where they work, what the affluence of a location is, and then and creating a, a population. And then the system then provides all the abilities and, and schedules and jobs and everything else based off of that. Okay, yeah, I think you did blow my mind. That's, that's pretty nuts. Um, can you recruit everybody? Can you recruit all the citizens or is there a cap to like how many people you can have in DeadSec? Um, no. So you, you, right now, I think there's a, in the demo, there's a team size of 20 and, and we're, we're, we, we made just that, but right now we're, we're currently focusing on 20, but okay. um, as long as you, uh, you know, dismiss people from your team and pick other people up, you can keep going. Gotcha. Um, and I mean, if you really wanted to, you could jump into a layout of bad guys and you could literally clear that layout by recruiting every single one of them by using the profiler. If you so choose. You could literally complete an entire layout just by converting the whole place to DeadSec. It fully supports it. It will take you a bit of time, but it fully supports it. So in, in that way, it's, it's, it's to the nth degree everyone is recruitable. Uh, so you mentioned getting your, your players out of jail. Is, is that the, the biggest consequence of a, a character kind of like dying out in the field? Did they just get arrested or can, can your characters just die straight out? Actually, yes to both. So okay. um, one of the changes we made since last year was we made um, permadeath as an optional mode. It's not there in the demo, but in the final game, permadeath will be a separate mode. So you can choose, do you want to go hardcore and actually lose characters when, when they get killed? Or do you want to play the other mode and, and, and have them go to hospital or get them arrested, right? Uh, but also, if you, you may have noticed, we have a, a bunch of very rogue abilities that can spawn on characters. Like, um, I forget the name, but basically, I, they can, um, I think it's Doomed is one of them you may, have, you may have encountered, which basically means that person can just randomly die. They're not in great health. So, but that is a permanent death. So you have to keep an eye. And that's also in both modes. So if you, if you accidentally find that person who's been Doomed... <laughs> He just suddenly drops dead on your team, then so be it. So that can happen also in non-permadeath mode if you, if you get a character that has abilities like that. So for, for those, they can give you a little fun surprise if you don't keep your eye open for them. Um, but also, like I said, in the permadeath mode, uh, death is permanent. Gotcha. But actually, even on top of that, I, I don't know if you saw the other cool things. Like um, we've, we've got characters in there that have hiccups and flatulence. I mean, you can be sneaking through a layout, then your guy will suddenly hiccup, then the guard will turn around, and then the whole stealth approach is like game over. <laughs> we, we've tried doing streaming sessions internally of us trying to do a layout with the hiccups. It's hilarious. I did not see that. That is that is wild. I I do not know what you guys have made. This is this is crazy. <laughs> Honestly, um, some days I don't. <laughs> I play the game. And I see stuff. I'm like, who the hell made that? Where did that come from? It's amazing. The guys uh, the guys deserve a lot of credit. That's awesome. Do you have a personal favorite besides the manicurists? But do you have a personal favorite class or, or citizen or, or something like that? Um, actually, because I'm British, I like the the soccer hooligans. Obviously, it's my favorite with their crazy uh, takedown headbutts and their when they wore soccer shirts. I'm I'm a Liverpool fan, and that's not a London-based team, so I'm a bit sad about that. But you know what? That's fine. <laughs> um, but no, they have pretty cool stuff. Uh, they, they, they have abilities such as um, if you take them to the bar and get them drunk, they, they can punch twice as hard. <laughs> and they can have immunity, but no matter how drunk they are, it's a pretty, uh, pretty fun concept. And also, I mean, 
I had a, I had a, just to go back to the systemic stuff, I had a crazy uh, thing happen the other day where I was giving a demo and the, the person wanted to find a hooligan. And I was like, okay, so um, you can find those in bars. And they're like, okay, um, but I don't have any bars on my map. I'm like, okay, wait a second. Didn't you just profile a, a, a bartender? And they're like, oh yeah, hang on. So they find the bartender again. I'm like, well, they've got to go to work at some point, right? They go, oh yeah. So they open the deep profiler. They look at their profiler. They look at what time they go to work. So they follow them. They go to the work for three o'clock and there's the bar. We go in the bar and we find the hooligan. So that was, uh, I mean, I didn't even know that worked. Uh, I, I just thought logically when I was, I was watching the person play, I was like, oh, hang on. You know what? This will probably work. Let's try it. And we tried it. And, and the, the deep profiling, the scheduling system and the way everyone is on a, on their own personal schedules works really well. Wow. I'm not sure where to go from there. Um, I get just a, a few kind of final random questions. What are adversaries? I took one out while I was playing, but I don't know what it actually was. So adversaries um, are people that you've encountered that may, you may have had a rough time with. So basically anyone you encounter, the game remembers and stores. And, it, and sometimes it makes an effort to drop them along your, your path as you progress through the game, just so you start to recognize people that you may have seen before. Um, so there's a good chance that it will stall someone that you've had an altercation with that didn't go too well. And then if it happens a bunch of times, they'll make an adversary for them because you've had multiple encounters with this person, for example. Interesting. So maybe you met an Albion guard in the lab and the next day, um, they, uh, they reposted him to a different, uh, Albion facility and you bumped into him again. Maybe you took him out that time and now he's particularly not happy with you and you can create adversaries that way. I was able to liberate one of the burrows. Uh, and that was that was really cool. I, I enjoyed that. But what does that actually accomplish for the, the gameplay and the story? Does it reduce Albion presence or what, what, what does that actually do? It actually does two meaningful things. Um, the first thing is, you, you may have noticed, but the borough becomes a lot lighter. Um, so all of the Albion propaganda gets pulled down. A lot of the posters, a lot of the intense, oppressive stuff disappears. And you start to see a lot more of the, the fun flavor of London once you oppress the borough. So the people become more free and the general environment just becomes happier and more free. You'll see less Albion spawn on the streets, for example. You'll see less Albion cars in traffic, that kind of stuff. That's the, the first big thing that that borough now feels a lot more free. Um, the second thing it does is it changes the opinion of DedSec for that borough. So maybe when you started playing, you had a lot of people who hated DedSec, a lot of red thumbs down when you were walking along the street, so you, you couldn't just talk to people. But after you do a borough liberation, you'll see a, a lot more people with, with a, who are pro-DedSec and are happy to be part of the resistance. Okay, so if you liberate a borough first, it'll actually make it easier to recruit people to... to easier, cause. give you more options, exactly. Okay. Wow, that's, that's cool. And then uh, going back to some of like the abilities and stuff, I, I was looking through some of the upgrades, and one of them was this like electrified knuckle duster, which looked really cool. <laughs> and so I upgraded it all the way, and then I, I didn't have it. Uh, how are upgrades like shared, and how do they work across all of your different team members? Um, I'd have to check the details on that one specifically, but normally what happens is the pool of gadgets can be equipped. So if you edit your character, you can go to the gadget slot and, and equip any gadgets that you've unlocked for the whole of DedSec. There may be some special criteria in certain instances, depending on who a character is and what abilities they have, but it's pretty rare. For the most part, gadgets can be pretty much equipped on everyone. The only condition is we don't currently let you equip gadgets um, on people when they're inside of combat or red zones. Uh, only when you're in a safe space can you then edit your character and change their loadout. So, for example, you could uh, exit a red zone. Say, say you see a, a sneaky puzzle that you need to do with a little spider, for example. You can exit the red zone, edit your character, go to your gadget slot, kick out, say, your clock or your, your throwable disc, and then zip in the spider, then head back and toss the spider over the fence and do the, the stealthy approach for the takedown. Gotcha. Okay. Very cool. 
you know, obviously, like, Albion is kind of this big private military security force uh, that has come in and is, you know, securing, you can't see my air quotes, but securing London, uh, creating very, like, 1984 kind of world. What role does Clan Kelly play in everything that's, that's going on? So actually, there's a there's a number of villains you'll encounter across the way, and um, part of the story, and I won't spoil it for you, but th there is a reason all these people exist and why Zero Day is around, and you will find out over time why all these things are interconnected. Uh, Kelly is part of that, um, but uh, just just from a world logic perspective, um, because obviously uh, Albion has struck down and, and control London, um, he's there's also deals going on between the crime syndicates. You know, Kelly is is, is running. Uh, I think she's running organ trafficking. She's uh, doing drug running. She's uh, she's got a lot of thugs on the streets in particular areas. And what you'll notice is you'll kind of notice very quickly that there's Albion kind of controls a lot of the main routes. But then behind the back alleys, you'll see a lot of Kellys uh, hanging around and harassing people, uh, doing deals in back alleys. Uh, and there's, I think there's a there's crazy storylines with with some of the stuff that Kelly is doing with uh, technology, uh, the way she. Uh, um, um, well, the way she manages her people, I don't want to say too much, the way she manages her people and the technology she's using to do so. Um, so, so that's kind of her role. Are there any returning characters from Watch Dogs 1 or 2? No, there isn't. Okay. Um, let's see, you guys haven't announced a, a release date yet, but if somebody wanted to get more information about the game, where, where can they go to, to find that out? Uh, we, Ubisoft Forward will be talking about that for sure. Fantastic. All right, well, Sean, thank you so much for, for chatting with me about Watch Dogs Legion. I had a great time playing it, and good luck as you guys finish up the game and get it out the doors into players' hands. It was a pleasure. Thanks very much. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Take care.